Hello and welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. I'm Jared Reedy, and today we have a rather fitting guest in the wake of the recent New South Wales state election. Dr Sarah Hill, CEO of the Western Parkland City Authority, joins us today to talk all things Sydney's third CBD, or Bradfield as it's known. Located in close proximity to Sydney's second airport, Bradfield Shapes is a future technology and innovation hub that is being built from the ground up. Today, we speak with Sarah about all things the Parkland City and how the government and the authority plan to build this thing from the ground up. Sarah, obviously, I assume it's a bit of a, a storied career on your part before you became CEO of the WPCA, but do you mind giving us a bit of a background? Yeah, sure, Jared. So I've had the great honour and pleasure of working in two global cities, London and Sydney, uh, and very much looking at how we can make these cities better, more exciting uh, and more beautiful places. But a big part of my former role before joining the authority was uh, working to come up with a big picture plan for Greater Sydney. Uh, and a concept around three cities really emerged strongly in our work. And uh, you might be aware of the Eastern Harbour City, the Central River City and the Western Parkland City. So at the same time, we were negotiating across three levels of government, a thing called a city deal for the Western Parkland City. Uh, and it so turns out um, I'm here now with the authority with a great opportunity to implement that vision and that deal, um, making the Western Parkland City the most green, the most connected and the most advanced location in all of Australia. Brilliant. So looking through the WPCA's uh, mission statement, you guys were tasked with delivering, coordinating and attracting investment to the city. Uh, what does that process look like? I know that you guys have begun your sounding process. Well, what, what's that looking like at the moment? We operate at two levels. We operate across this enormous area of the Western Parkland City, 800,000 hectares, so 65% uh, of the Greater Sydney area. So an enormous um, span of of green area, but also critically urban land that is um, that is ready for development. Uh, so we have this big picture view, but we also have a really important focus around some key precincts. So that might be Bradfield City Centre, uh, Australia's newest city that we're developing um, from the ground up. Um, but also it might be precincts such as Campbelltown Justice Precinct that we're working to master plan with council and with the Commonwealth Government, uh, or it may be other areas that we really focus on to try and bring all levels of government together in the community to really optimise uh, development outcomes, but also critically enhancing and improving the environment, this beautiful environment we have in the Western Parkland City. Sensational. Obviously, you talk about um, working with all three levels of government. Uh, let's talk about the lowest form in this sense, and that's local councils. You guys would have to interact with them on a consistent basis. What does that interaction entail? Well, really critically, uh, local councils, of which there's eight across the Parkland City, are key partners in everything we do. Uh, they're key signatories to the Western um, Sydney uh, City deal that I referenced. And that deal um, has 38 commitments to deliver everything from city shaping infrastructure, such as the $11 billion investment in a new metro line, the first to run north-south north across the Parkland City, uh, through to a new airport, through to really critical um, livability programs. And so what are they? They are new parks, new waterways, new places for the community to enjoy. So we work closely with councils to uh, support their delivery of these uh, projects, but also to step back up to that big picture vision too. So how do we drive a, a better balance of jobs, a stronger economy in uh, the Western Parkland City? And how do we address the inequity that we have developed across uh, Greater Sydney for so many centuries 
is now of where the jobs are compared to where people live. So that's a big part of our work with councils and getting that right mix of not just jobs, but better jobs for people across the whole Parkland city. Speaking of jobs, obviously you guys are looking to build the industry first and the housing infrastructure second. This is a bit of a different process to typical sort of city making and shaping. Um, obviously you said it's it's key to put the jobs where the people are, but we're, we're talking about designing a city here. Why have you decided to do that first? Well, look, Jared, I've undertaken decades of research on this and it's a really important part of how people live is that they don't have to travel long distances. Long distances to work, you know, can result in uh, less time with family, less time to exercise uh, and can have all sorts of mental and physical challenges um, for people. So as a consequence, we really wanted to flip the old model of building houses first and then follow that up with jobs and retail. We actually want to create jobs and have a really strong focus in the Parkland City of creating jobs jobs closer to where people are already living, but also getting ahead of the curve and creating more jobs and better jobs for when new residents come to live in the Parkland City. So the Parkland City, you know, fun fact, is one of the fastest growing uh, regions in the whole OECD. Yeah. Uh, it's extraordinary growth rate um, as Greater Sydney expands. But I think also importantly is people really realise the benefit of living within a Parkland City and one that um, is trying to challenge the status quo of how we do things. So how do we address um, building better cities? How do we turn our challenges of heat and inequity to jobs into a real story of success and how do we do things better. So that's a, a big focus for us and so much of it comes back to um, the core requirement around a good job and a better job. Just uh, it's all in the name I suppose you know sort of western Parklands City. Um, you, you speak about the benefits about uh, being in a, in a Parkland City, and I'm sure that's got a lot to do with, you know, sort of uh, well-being boosts or increases through green public spaces and sort of these open uh, public parks and so forth. Um, how much of that has taken up your planning? It's a huge driver and in fact a, a major portion of the Parkland City is, is green space at the moment. What we're really trying to do though is to make this space publicly accessible, better quality um, and really uh, build um, more opportunities for people to, to access this land. So that may be improving community access through uh, walkways, it may be through um, better road access but I think also critically better investment in, in uh, what's in these green spaces, making them active, as well as um, planting more trees. And trees are really critical to, um, to our whole narrative because they help us cool the city. And in fact, in the Western Parkland city, uh, there's about half the proportion of trees as there is in the uh, Eastern Harbour city. So there's a real disparity um, in terms of the, the trees and the vegetation. And much of it was cleared in the early days for agriculture in, in Western Sydney, really, um, where we we uh, grew so much of our food. So in all projects that we have, we have a really strong focus on that. And a classic example of this is Bradfield City Centre. So our side of 115 hectares, um, within that about 37 hectares alone is earmarked for public open space and parklands. And we wow. have right at the heart of the city, um, one of these really exciting features, which working title called Central Park. Um, Central Park will be 
a real meeting place, a destination for people uh, in Western Sydney to come uh, and to experience the city of the future. Amazing. Let's talk Bradfield just quickly. You've just brought it up, uh, starting a city from scratch and uh, it, it really is an amazing opportunity. Talk to me about your thoughts on the opportunity that's in front of you on the WPCA. Uh, look, there's there's no cooler opportunity than building the city of the future. And we often talk about it being a 22nd century city. Well, what does that mean? You know, frankly, we're, we're working through that. But in my mind and, and the concept, uh, you know, when I first came up with it, it was really this incredible honour that we have to build a city, not just for this generation, but the next. And, and that generation in the 22nd century will be looking back to us thinking, you know, how did they set up a city for success? How did they safeguard opportunities? opportunities and changes around technology. But I think also really importantly, how do they address those incredible challenges that, uh, you know, that they were facing at the time around climate change and, um, you know, changing technology and, and different types of jobs? And how do they really optimise what is an incredible and very rare opportunity to change a greenfield site, uh, you know, into a into a high density mixed use area on the doorstep of not only a new 24/7 airport but a global city, uh, and what an incredible honour that is. So, Bradfield to us is really that bridge between the uh, Eastern Harbour and the the Western Parkland city, um, and really an opportunity to not only catch up to the Eastern Harbour city but really to leapfrog ahead and do something quite remarkable. Which you'll be able to do uh, with the sort of pillar of urban resilience, which you guys talk about, especially in the realms of sustainability and so forth. I know that it's a huge component of the project, but it does move quickly sustainability. You know, while we're studying things and they come through sort of the tertiary systems, it takes a little while till they get on the ground. My point is, is that um, I know that renewable energy and, and, and sustainability is on the agenda, but is the city going to be versatile enough to pivot to trends in, say, 50 to 100 years? And, and how do you do that? How do you, how, how do you, how do you make it versatile? Well, Jared, you're exactly right. I mean, we take a, what we we call a no regrets approach. So we're trying to build a build a city that evolves and changes and, and grows over time, uh, not only in terms of its sheer scale, but also its technology and its evolution. So, you know, that that is a tough thing to get right, and that is something we challenge ourselves on every day. And I've just come from a meeting with the team on these very issues. A big part of what we do, though, and part of our investment attraction piece that you referred to earlier is is really asking the market and the great minds that we have out there across Australia and internationally, you know, really what is the cutting edge technology and how can we be uh, safeguarding and designing the city for that? And really, how can we put in place, uh, you know, simple concepts around, you know, multi-utility tunnels that allow us to augment the services and utilities um, as and when they're needed? But also really important to us is, is starting with where we want to be. So our first building is a really good example of this. We're very proud of, of our first building, a multi-purpose building that invites the community into it and that will allow our young community members, our young students to stand on the rooftop on the viewing platform and watch uh, the city of the future being built in real time. And many of our Western Parkland city residents haven't had that opportunity. 
Um, but importantly, this is a building with green roofs. It's being designed with low carbon materials. It's um, using rammed earth construction methods. It's uh, using recycled materials, uh, recycled water. It can operate off the grid. And you know, really critically, um, it is designed with a connection to country, embracing this beautiful women's country where where uh, our, our new city um, is is being born. design and built environment standpoint I'm, I'm curious obviously I know that Hassel's designed this first building and you mentioned all these sustainable measures this is a bit of a curveball but is there a, but is there some sort of design typology or a, or a master plan that uh, architects and designers sort of further down the line are going to be able to adhere to? Yeah, it's a really good question, and it's certainly something that we're evolving. Uh, we want to do something that's uniquely Western Sydney, uniquely Australian, but also something that um, respects the typology um, and certainly uh, the intent of a of a an attractive. Um, location that's also uh, got a high level of well-being and by that I mean it's a it's a place where you want to work it's a place that has low carbon and natural um, materials but also uh, a city that has a density that makes it active and interesting as well so from an urban typology point of view we're working through um, what that might look like but we also don't want to restrict these great architects and designers that we have and enabling them to really innovate and I think in my experience, cities evolve over time and great architecture will will certainly follow um, with that and, and really lead um, the nature of the city and what it can become. So for us, importantly, it's, it's setting an expectation around what we want to see in the city in terms of um, utilities and activity, but not being too prescriptive on the design. That's the exciting element that, that will grow over time. Brilliant. Uh, I, I know that you guys have got a, a, a couple of buildings in the works, but is there any sort of information you can disclose on, you know, sort of architecture design or uh, planning firms that you're currently working with yeah, as, part, look, as part of the processes? We're really keen to work with uh, fantastic Australian and international architectural firms, but we really want to support local talent as well. And for us, it's key um, that we ask these wonderful leading firms with, with great expertise to partner with new and emerging talent. So that's important to us and, and ideally a talent that is locally based, but also um, partnering with uh, Indigenous firms as well so we can get that real understanding and appreciation of, of culture as a real point of difference for us in Bradfield City Centre because nowhere else in the world um, can mirror or mimic the incredible culture that we have in Western Sydney uh, through our, our um, Aboriginal uh, residents and our Aboriginal experts in, in architecture and design and cities, of which there are many. So a classic case of that is our first building. Um, as you said, our, our lead architects were Hassels, who've done a beautiful job, but working closely uh, with Jin Jama, you know, who worked with them to design a building that was really respectful and connected to country and tells a beautiful story. And I, I can't wait to invite people to the viewing platform and to, to walk them through the building and tell its story. I look forward to when that day comes. Me but, too. <laughs> um, Sarah, thank you, thank you so much. You've been brilliant today. Um, I, I look forward to seeing the, the city come out of the ground. And Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The A&D Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au.